hello and welcome to the Heal in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Emmy Marie, a certified trauma-informed coach and complex trauma survivor. Along my own healing journey, I found music to be both a supportive tool for processing emotions and a source of solace and comfort during tough times. On this show, I'm breaking down popular songs through the lens of trauma recovery, healing, and personal growth. So let's dive in. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Heal and Harmony podcast. I am here with a, my first ever return guest, Sarah Aird from at Breaking Down CPTSD. Thank you for being here, Sarah. Thanks for having me back again. I'm excited to, to do more discussing of Taylor Swift. <laughs> Yay! Awesome. Yeah, so the reason I specifically wanted to have Sarah come back is because a few months ago, actually before I think I ever released a podcast episode, we did a little Instagram live where we chatted about a number of different Taylor Swift songs in kind of a quicker way. And one of the songs we talked about was My Tears Ricochet from Evermore. And Sarah brought up specifically viewing this song about kind of leaving a toxic or narcissistic family dynamic or something related to that, like walking away from a traumatic family system. And I was so into that um, reading and interpretation that I wanted to do a podcast episode about that. So I decided to bring Sarah back on because she's the one I got the idea from and obviously has a great perspective on that. So that is what we're going to be chatting about today is My Tears Ricochet. I'm excited. I would like part of me is like, I'm excited. The topic isn't great, but I still. <laughs> right. Totally. <laughs> like it's a hard one. Yeah. Totally. One. Yeah. I did the one I recorded recently with my last guest was Evermore, uh, the song. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the like saddest songs in her whole discography. Right. And we're just like, hee hee, like chatting, having a great time talking about it. But it's like, oh, this is about like crippling grief that like mm -hmm. is debilitating right? and hard to yeah. like survive. And yeah. So um, yeah, I think that's kind of the nature of this podcast. And mm -hmm. I feel like it really is so related to just my personality at this point where I'm like, let's talk about really hard topics with like honor and respect, but also, you know, like there's a Taylor Swift component of it and like there's yeah. a bit of levity <laughs> and like we're having fun and that's just kind of how I am, I guess. <laughs> love it. I love it. Cool. Thanks. Awesome. Well, yeah, you all listening to this podcast probably know the drill. We'll be, I'll be breaking down, um, we'll be breaking down each verse. And so what I'll do first is read the lyrics. Unfortunately, we cannot play the song. So if you want to go listen to it really quick and come back, feel free to do that. Otherwise, I will go ahead and get started by reading the first verse and then we will give it a, give it a breakdown. Mm -hmm. So verse one says, we gather here, we line up, weeping in a sunlit room. And if I'm on fire, you'll be made of ashes too. Even on my worst day, did I deserve, babe, all the hell you gave me? Cause I loved you. I swear I loved you till my dying day. So do you want to begin with any thoughts on that verse, Sarah? Yeah. So like you said, I think like, um, a lot of Taylor Swift lyrics, I think, speak to love. And for me, sometimes like the songs, whether they're about romantic love, sometimes re I relate to them from like familial love or um, I don't know, I guess different forms of love. And yeah. this song kind of came into my awareness, probably like 
a few years after I went no contact with some of my family members. Um, and I guess it, this, like the way, maybe what you would, you would only hear if you went and listened to the song is like, even before she starts singing, there's like, um, mm. what I can only describe is what feels like, like a funeral march or like, mm-hmm. um, it's very ghostly. It's very haunting sounding. Yep. And I think even this first verse, like what I picture is like being at a death, right? Like being yep. at a funeral. Um, and I guess like the reason why this song kind of like I'm drawn to it is because kind of leaving the family dynamic like that or going no contact feels to me like something is dying, right? Mm-hmm. Like whether it's a a relationship or like even just what you thought the relationship was like something is falling apart something is dying something is and you're like starting to mourn it um but I think there's also I I guess like that's maybe like how she kind of sets it up with these kind of like ghostly harmonies at the beginning Mm. and this picture of like we're lining up we're in the sunlit room. I kind of picture like a very <laughs> kind of traditional funeral setting. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's like this, she starts kind of um, maybe with what feels like to me, like a tug of war between like, as, as you try to maybe like, as you're the person that's starting to maybe recognize like, what feels unhealthy or what feels harmful or what feels hurtful. It's like you're on fire and they're going to be on fire. It's like the whole thing is burning down. <laughs> yeah. Um. Like it, it kind of, I guess that, that line of like, I'm on fire, you're going to be made of ashes too. speaks to like these bonds that we have that like, I, I remember initially thinking like when I first got into therapy, like I'm going to kind of heal in my little corner and not mm. like really let it impact anybody. And mm. then I'll like emerge and <laughs> things yeah. will be better. But it was like, it was almost impossible to be in my healing process and not have that like spread out almost like flames. Right. Like wow. it just starts to like, yeah, kind of go everywhere. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like these, this feeling of like, even, even on these days where it's like such a struggle, I guess, like, what can, what can emerge in these moments of like, someone in the family is healing and everybody doesn't know what to do with that. Um, mm. I feel like it can get really like the the hell you gave me feels like for me, I guess I would say it's like the shock of like how quickly things can turn on you in in those moments. So, um, and Mm. I really like that. She says like, even inside of all of this, like, it's like you, at least it's like, I love them. I care about them. Mm -hmm. I probably, I probably always will. Right. Like love and care about them. And yet like, there's something dying, something burning down mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. 
Beautiful. Thank you. That um, was, yeah, well put. And yeah, very interesting. Um, yeah. So some things I just wanted to add was, yeah, I feel like with this, I'm on fire, you'll be made of ashes too. And sort of like, I'm hearing a bit of blame and bitterness from the protagonist mm -hmm. starting right in the first verse that feels well earned as in they have a right to be bitter at this point. So I'm kind of imagining here we're like you said, we're starting at the end at the funeral and mm -hmm. we're starting to get the context of what led to the death of this family dynamic, if that's what we're choosing to read this as. Mm -hmm. um, so the relationship is over and they are now estranged. And as we'll find out, it sounds like the protagonist is the one that you know, blew it up in the end. They didn't go with mm -hmm. grace, which is next verse, but um, the protagonist is the one that ultimately, you know, set fire to the relationship and now is realizing, you know, I, I get the impression they did everything they could to make it work mm -hmm. and to set practical boundaries and to be gracious and to try to maintain a relationship with this person, with their family, perhaps. Um, but they realized, you know, I I'm done. Like I'm walking away completely. And, you know, if, if I'm on fire, if you are, if I blew this all up, you're going to face the repercussions too, because I deserved better, maybe my entire life than you ever gave me. Um, so yeah, I hear a little bit of that. Like, did I really deserve what you did to me? Um, I loved you the whole time. You were my parent or you were my parents, you were my family. Um, I loved you and I still do, but, um, this is, we're dying. It's over. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I think like, uh, I love how you kind of like really clearly said, like, it's, it's maybe this, like, we're at the end, we're at the funeral, yeah. but we're kind of reflecting back at like what's happened. And also for this song, like, as you were talking, like this song holds strong scapegoat themes to me. Yes. Right. Which is <laughs> like, um, yeah, like the sense of like, I'm the one that lit the match and the match might be the healing or like whatever, like I'm the mm -hmm. one that's on fire. I'm the one that's like doing this. Um, but like feeling, yeah, maybe bitterness or blame about like being, yeah, like you're the one that did, like, you're the one that burned it all down. Yeah. <laughs> you pushed me to this point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah. yeah. And I, and um yeah, like I think that scapegoat thing is going to carry through the yes. lyrics. Mm -hmm. Yes. Awesome. Okay, let's keep going. So, yeah, this is now the chorus, which changes a little bit each time it's repeated. So, mm -hmm. this time it says, I didn't have it in myself to go with grace, and you're the hero flying around, saving face. And if I'm dead to you, why are you at the wake? cursing my name, wishing I stayed, look at how my tears ricochet. So the, I didn't have it in myself to go with grace. Like this is super personal for me. Cause I feel mm -hmm. like at the time that I go no contact with my family, it feels incredibly messy. I don't have any clear answers. It's mm -hmm. super abrupt. It's not, it doesn't, like, I don't have gr like ex great explanations or like even reasons why I'm doing it yet. Like, I just, it feels super chaotic. And so like, mm. I really relate to you. Like when I, I guess when I hear like go with grace, it would, to me, it looks like I would have been able to be like, 
articulate <laughs> and mm. like really understanding of myself and been able to like explain that really well and like name what the issues were and the problems and mm -hmm. like but at the time really what's happening for me is um what are good like I feel uh I mean honestly at the time like suicidal ed like ideation mm. is there and it's not like an 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 if it's like a feels like a when yeah and I feel like my life is kind of like the walls are coming in on me I don't even really know why like I'm just like why and I, there's a lot of shame of like why am I breaking down so much why am I having such a hard time why is everything triggering me mm. I don't even have the word trigger totally <laughs> like, I just feel like I'm kind of uh losing my mind mm -hmm. and and like everything with my family is just like escalating and like there's more conflict there's more mm. argument there's more tension there's more friction and to me it kind of just feels like there's this breaking point where I don't even like it's not like I like had this plan that that's what I was going to do it just sort of happened yeah and so it does not feel graceful <laughs> it doesn't feel like thought out or planned or anything like that. And I think yeah. because of that, like this, you're the hero flying around saving face. I think a lot of people like looked at what was happening, even like within like my extended family or just in my family. And they were like, what are you doing? Like, like my family's kind of the hero. They're like, why are you doing this to your family? And like, why are you causing all these issues? And like, even people who I felt like knew me fairly well, really struggled <laughs> with my behavior. And they were like, I just don't understand. And I remember thinking at the time, like if somebody really knew me, I think they would know that I wouldn't do anything to intentionally hurt my family. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, I was kind of like the villain and my family members were the heroes and um, like, yeah, it was just, <laughs> and part of that was like, at least for me at the time, I was like, kind of like, maybe I am because I didn't have any right. really good reasons of like why, why it was happening. Um, yeah. That if I'm dead to you, why are you at the wake cursing my name, wishing I'd stayed? um feels like this tug of war between like it's like my family is kind of communicating like we want you here but all we do is like argue all mm -hmm. we do is like come at each other I remember thinking like whatever relationship we have right now it's just like we're hurting each other that's mm -hmm. all it just feels like we're just tossing her back and forth and yeah. I was like yeah, it just felt really awful. Um, so it was like, I'm kind of like dead to them. I'm not like the daughter that they raised. I'm not the granddaughter mm. that they raised. But they're still like coming at me, <laughs> trying to get me to like reconcile and like figure things out. Yeah, so, like they're cursing me at the same time. They're like, why can't you just stay here and like yeah. get your act together kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing some of your personal experiences. Um, it really, you know, lends such a vulnerability to the conversation that I know so many listeners will feel seen by. So I just want to say I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking another thing here, like, I like this feeling of I had to leave to survive. It sounds like what you're kind of naming is like my mm -hmm. mental health is at such a low. I can't even articulate it, but I know I have to go. Like every message I'm getting through my body is get me out of here. And I don't have the capacity to do that gracefully. And I'm imagining not necessarily about your life, but, you know, reading this song is this protagonist, the, the narrator is, has tried many times to get their family to mm -hmm. understand them and respect them and, you know, treat them how they deserve to be treated. And they've done that gracefully a number of times, but something has shifted where they either absolutely have to leave now and don't have the capacity for grace or they you know the anger has erupted in an event of you know i'm gonna burn this down you know fuck you i'm out of here um and the way they you know brought that down wasn't their quote unquote best self because they've been pushed so far into dysregulation and you know um self-preservation almost that they mm -hmm. are coming across as incredibly angry or you know um volatile or unstable and so yeah to the outside world exactly what you're naming the truly the people to blame are the per the family or the group that pushed the hero so to speak that pushed the protagonist of the song out um you know they, it wasn't their fault so that they had to leave but since they left in such a non-graceful way the end just the conditioning we live in at least in this country and in many parts of the world i imagine of you know you should never leave your family you should never be estranged you should never go no contact you owe them something there's just so much victim blaming of saying you know it's your fault and suddenly the family that you were tortured by becomes the hero and the one to pity and the one to be present with yeah. and so that's kind of what seems like ha is happening like on the outside um, did you want to add anything to that before I keep going with the next? Yeah, lines? like I think I'm, and I think I really resonate with like um, that, like what you said. Like, there's been a lot of grace leading up to a moment like that, where um, like I, I think part of the breaking point for me was like feeling really like no matter how much I was doing, like things weren't really changing, like, um, and also just like coming into like awareness of how depleted I felt, how like um, empty I was, I think that kind of was like the suicidal stuff was like speaking mm. to like how empty, how depleted, how just like, I didn't really like a shell that I felt, you know? Yeah. And I remember, and it was super conflicting because I think, um again I would say like I don't I I would have never chosen that for myself I don't think I was like this you know like this is what I want but I think like the the tug of war between like what was the awareness of like my needs and like what was happening to me uh, against like my loyalty to my family and like even my love for them right like are starting mm -hmm. to really like pull on each other in different ways yeah. And I think what's surprising to me is like, uh, uh, I think initially, like, I really thought my family would maybe like, come to my aid, honestly, totally, but I started to know, like, when I started to get into therapy, and it started with things like setting boundaries, or like saying no to things or 
trying to bring in some self-care, it was really interesting to me to see how the dynamics changed, right? And I was like really surprised that it seemed like very threatening mm, to them for mm-hmm. me to be doing that. And it was super confusing. Yeah, so it's like in the moment, I feel like I, yeah, have like tried a lot. I I really feel like I'm trying my best to take care of myself. I'm trying to figure that out. Um, Mm -hmm. but at that point I'm so, yeah, I'm so depleted. I'm so empty. I'm so done that like the way that I leave, it, it just feels like images I have are like, like a bomb exploding. Right. Or like, I don't know. It just feels so like things are just, yeah, it does not feel clean. It doesn't feel (laughs) like really graceful or anything graceful. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for naming all of that. Yeah. And so for the next couple lines to me, I'm hearing once again, some of this like bitterness and resentment and also just calling out the hypocrisy in this family dynamic that it seems like the protagonist has probably done a lot of work to get clarity over. Um, And this is something I've experienced like a couple different times in abusive relationships at the end um, or throughout it of you know, cursing my name, wishing I stayed. It reminds me of kind of the phrase, which I think is a title of a book that I have not read, but I hate you, don't leave me. Mm -hmm. Um, This sort of splitting behavior where someone can go from, you are my pride and joy, you are everything to me, I love you so much, to I hate you, you are not, you know, you are not Mm -hmm. obeying me anymore. You're saying that my behavior isn't okay and you wanna leave this family you know, cursing my name, that they're dead to me. But at the same time, don't leave me, don't leave this family, you make us look bad if you do this, like, you're ruining our reputation, whatever it is. Um, And so it sounds like to me that the protagonist is looking at this from, you know, a little bit of a distance and saying, yeah, this is interesting, you know, uh, you're gonna be haunted by this just as much as I am. Because, you know, yes i'm i'm suffering i have suffered for a long time um but if i'm dead to you why are you still here trying to get me back why are you wishing i stayed i thought you hate me for what i've done you know kind of just looking that hypocrisy in the eye and being like this is a bunch of bullshit and i'm glad i'm out of this honestly yeah Yeah, i think some of that splitting carries into like some of the next lines because that was exactly like what comes up that Mm. kind of Splitting with um, the next lines of like, we gather stones, never knowing what they'll mean, some to throw or some to make a diamond ring. Mm -hmm. That line in particular to me spoke like some to throw feels like playing the scapegoat role. Mm -hmm. Some to make a diamond ring felt like, because I feel like for a long time, I played a hero role in my family. Mm -hmm. So like, I felt like a golden child. I felt like a perfectionist. I felt, yeah, like, uh, got a lot of praise for different things. Um, but then that's why I think it was super disorienting to, I guess, like fall from that pedestal into a scapegoated role. Yeah. Um, and feeling like things were lit, like, like comments, different things are like being thrown at me. Mm -hmm. Um, and that kind of like, not knowing what it's going to be that resonates to me just as like how quickly your role within the family can change where you can go from like 
being the hero to being the villain, what to me felt like overnight, right? Like it just was like, how, <laughs> how did this turn so quickly? Like, yeah. I don't understand how, um, yeah, like that the, the split and the shift was so abrupt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's something that these lines remind me of, which I'll, I'll just read the whole verse. Um, mm-hmm. So as you already said, we gather stones, never knowing what they'll mean, some to throw, some to make a diamond ring. You know, I didn't want to have to haunt you, but what a ghostly scene. You wear the same jewels that I gave you as you bury me. So I'm reminded of how the anxious attachment style is born with that kind of unpredictability of your caretaker sometimes is maybe overwhelming with their love and affection for you and sees you as the golden child that can do no wrong and other times is very angry at you for something that seems really small or um just very emotionally upset about things that you know, are very human and normal, but especially if you do something that they wouldn't do and they see that as very wrong, even though it's just a difference. And so I'm thinking about that of like that unpredictability of, you know, gathering stones for you as in like, I'm trying to make you happy. Like I'm trying to, you know, this is a metaphor, like do things that hopefully you will be happy with me for. Um, But I actually don't know if you're going to reward me for that with a diamond ring, like type level reward, see me as this incredible child that can do no wrong. Or if you're going to throw stones, effectively stoning me emotionally, Mm -hmm. like harming me for who I am and for what I've done. Mm -hmm. So how that can develop into this like feeling of insecurity all the time in relationships of just like, I have no idea if I can trust my caregiver's response. And then, you know, I'm sure that branches out into other relationships as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that carries also into the, um, like the, you wear the same jewels that I gave you as you bury me. Like a lot, a, a lot of that felt like to me, like what I felt like I would say, like, I gave like the best parts of myself. I gave Mm. like so much of myself. I gave the shiniest, prettiest, right? Like thing. And I'm kind of maybe noticing that like, even as I gave all of that, like I'm still being buried by, but watching them like have like all that from me (laughs) oh my god that's so true yeah and I felt I've felt that so much in some of my romantic relationships as well is like being pushed to the edge and being like wow like I gave you literally so much money time energy like Mm -hmm. to try to support you and make you feel better and you get to take all of that with you while I'm effectively turned into the villain in your story Mm -hmm. and it's like ooh, yeah it's like yeah, it's a lot to look back on. And I think once again, brings me to that feeling of like righteous bitterness of like so -hmm. much time and energy wasted, not to mention like money or your body or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. I think that, I mean, I really like the theme she has of like haunting and ghostly. Mm -hmm. This just speaks to, because like even outside, like, like even with maybe because actually of like no contact, I feel like um, part of what starts to happen to me is feeling very haunted by the past. I even remember a period of time where um, I like 
reconnected and, and reestablished contact for a few months. And then I ended up cutting it again, just because the amount of like stuff from the past that was coming up for me was so overwhelming. I didn't really, again, know like what was happening to me or like what it was exactly and why it was happening. But um, yeah, I think even to this day, even though it's been like years since I've seen some of these people, um, I would say like, I still have conversations with what feel like ghosts or I'm like haunted yeah. by um, different experiences, like inevitably, you know, like anniversaries, birthdays, just different things kind of bring that stuff into the forefront for me. Some of it's starting to like, like, it's like very familiar ghosts. It's like, oh my gosh, mm. I've seen you so many times, but like, yeah, still that maybe even part of it for me is like having to, well, like, I guess learning to be accepting that like I might be haunted my whole life mm. by the, these relationships. And it's mm -hmm. like, the more I maybe kind of welcome what is haunting me and like understand it like the better I can deal with it but like yeah there is a part of me that would say like like I'm always going to live with ghosts and I'm always going to be haunted by certain things so totally yeah, yeah very relatable <laughs> all right let's keep going here um so this is now the second verse with a slight change I'm sorry second chorus with a slight change so I didn't have it in myself to go with grace because when I'd fight, you used to tell me I was brave. And if I'm dead to you, why are you at the wake cursing my name, wishing I stayed? Look at how my tears ricochet. So yeah, just the change there is because when I'd fight, you used to tell me I was brave. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, so I feel like for me, I think like the kind of trait in me that actually like led to my, <laughs> like for me to heal is like something in me that is, I, I really value, like it's like uh, persistent. It's like, um, even within my family, I felt like I was often fighting for like understanding. I was fighting for compassion. I was fighting to like, hmm. Uh, for softness, for gentleness, for healing, like in my own way. And I think yeah. at, at some level for a while, that was like praised, like I, or like, maybe I would say what was praised is like my ability to rise above, like overcome, right? Mm, was like yeah. a quality that was really, that I would like say that I like loved, like that I liked about myself, but also my family liked about me. Mm. And then when that quality in me drives me into like the healing space and I start to look at things again I think like initially I'm like they're gonna get it like they're gonna see what I'm trying to do and like they're it's gonna be hard but like I kind of yeah. think oh yeah it's gonna work out um and it and it doesn't right like in fact it's like yeah this isn't uh, like if you're going to use that this way, like your bravery that way, then like that's really mm. work out for us. Yeah. 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 Well put. Yeah. I, I think I just completely agree with that. Another thing I was thinking of is like, you used to applaud my fight when I was playing under your rules or fighting for our mm -hmm. family. And mm -hmm. I'm kind of imagining if, you know, I 
this come, I come back to this almost every podcast episode, but just folks with like religious trauma or, you know, we're in some sort of group indoctrination with their family unit and mm-hmm. seeing how their parents would maybe applaud the way that they would defend their religion or their lifestyle mm-hmm. or whatever. And how mm-hmm. that was so wonderful when they were fighting for their cause that the parents believed in. But now that the person is breaking out and is not under their rule, but is using that same kind of yeah fight um it's obviously no longer welcome just like you named so well yeah i had like a like especially after i got married my partner named this he was just like that i was a very like i had an extreme loyalty to my family and a very defensive uh stance when he would like question anything that he, he saw So there was like some kind of fight response in me that was like, um, uh, like he, he would often feel like on the outside, like, like, like I was more married to my family than I was to him for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, as that starts to shift, I think as I like tried to kind of think about my partner's needs, my family, like my growing family's needs and my needs. And we're kind of like separating as a unit and, and figuring out what we need. That fight shifts towards that. And then now like the setup, what kind of comes up is like, now I'm fighting against my family in some way. And that's, Mm. uh, it's, I think for, I would say, I mean, I don't, I don't know what, it was like for them exactly, but my sense of it is that it felt like betrayal. Like I had um, like stepped out of that loyalty or um, yeah, like I wasn't fighting for them anymore. I was fighting for something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's keep going here. So the next verse, or no, now we're at the bridge, which is just, oh, so good. I know. (laughs) Okay. Um, So it says, and I can go anywhere I want, anywhere I want, just not home. And you can aim for my heart, go for blood, but you would still miss me in your bones. And I still talk to you when I'm screaming at the sky. And when you can't sleep at night, you hear my stolen lullabies. (laughs) (laughs) I know, that one's like... Her performance of this too, I like the. Oh, part, I know. Like, oh my god! Oh so good. I really think at the tour, like I thought I would be crying, but I think it was so intense. I was actually like kind of numb because I was like, I don't feel like I get to take all of this in. What's happening right now? But I love yeah. watching the videos of it, like when it's like up close and everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so mm-hmm. good. Yeah, like so. I really love the line, I can go anywhere I want, anywhere I want, just not home. Because mm-hmm. I think like what was really uh, like conflicting for me is um, like part of what no contact brought me was like a tremendous amount of freedom. I yep. felt and that like that freedom continued to grow over the course of the years. Like I felt like I was doing things that felt really aligned with what I wanted to do. So there's like this tremendous amount of freedom. There's also yeah. um, like, I think what's it, it, it feels contradictory, but I think it they just kind of, they feel like partners is like, um, there's also this tremendous amount of grief at feeling like I don't have a place to call home. Yeah. Although like I'm building my own home, this whole bridge, I guess speaks to me 
about like what sometimes feels like the biology and that's why Mm. I love it she uses like heart blood bone yep because it's like this this stuff is like really hard to put words to for me but it's like like some some part of me is like the cells literally in my body (laughs) are like part of my family right like I belong to them in this very like I don't know, right? Like it's it's really hard to describe. So it's yeah. like and and all of maybe my training in like uh developmental trauma just like this this feeling of like having a home base of like having a place that you feel like is your home that's like something steady inside of you that kind of I don't know, like it it's some kind of anchor I feel like in yeah. life when you don't have that like I often feel like untethered. I feel like there, I have no foundation. Um, totally. There's like a, another song that's called no roots. Like I'm a tree with no roots <laughs> is what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. So like this idea that I can have all this freedom, I can have, like, I have all these choices now, but at the same time, like I don't have a home there's something in my heart and my blood and my bones that feels like it's missing something or like is at war with something important. Um, mm-hmm. Like that there's like there's a hole there. It's just a really difficult thing, I think, to hold because it's like I could not deny the benefits of like the freedom and the things that were coming into my life. I also could not deny like what felt like a big yawning hole that was like opening up underneath me at the same time. Wow. Like you get wings and you lose your roots or something. I don't know. It's really yeah. hard to describe. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think that was beautifully described. Um, yeah. And I, I don't have a whole lot to add. Cause I just think that was, that was perfect. The one thing that I wrote down was I can no longer go home and that's your fault. So I just think I'm once again, just hearing that, blame of like Mm -hmm. i Mm -hmm. i can go anywhere i want but not home and that's your fault because you made it unsafe for me you know Mm -hmm. it's not like i don't want to go home it's i can't go home anymore Mm -hmm. um so that's just one thing i wanted to add was just that that once again kind of resentment that feels so honest and righteous Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Um, and i like i like the end lines of like again i don't I really don't, I can't speak to what it's been like for my family, but I would just, (laughs) I guess like what I imagine, maybe just because that's how it feels like for me. And just maybe because I would say like when you are growing up with people and you're in these, I don't know, very intimate settings, it's like, I just like the haunting, the nightmares, the sleep, like the, I'm talking to you, even though you're not here. Mm-hmm. Um, that, 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 that again feels like part of, part of this song that really speaks to me is like that this grief is maybe like a grief that never really goes away. Yeah. Um, it's like an ongoing funeral. Like <laughs> it just feels like it's kind of like here forever. Yeah. And that like, again I think like part of that for me has been like accepting like I'll probably always be talking to them in my mind I will 
continue to be haunted by that and ghosts and like and and I think part of me imagines the same thing for them like yeah I think I would uh, just because of like the nature of our relationship part of me thinks like it might still be a villain narrative but I do think that like they probably remember me in certain ways and like still kind of argue with me in certain ways or like wrestle with like what's happened in certain ways. So it does kind of feel like we continue to haunt each other, even if we're not in each, like in contact with each other. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I wrote, you know, you can, you can lash out at me all you want, but I know you'll never forget me or get over me. Like, I know that deep in your bones, you will always miss me because even though you're going to try to erase everything I was to you by making me the villain in your life, in your heart and soul, you know that I'm not a villain for saving myself, basically. Um, I I like that you speak to that. And part of me is like, uh, like I think where I I guess like what I hold on a huge level which is like days there are days this is really hard but like I think part of my journey with this has been very generational it's been like I don't know right like I inside of all of it, like inside of all the feelings, because there's just like anger, blame, shame, grief, Mm -hmm. uh, freedom, like all of these different things. I, part of me says, none of us chose this. I don't think, right? Like I think on my best day, I'm like, I don't feel like any family member in is choosing this in a way that is like, I just, what I see is just like, years of trauma years of like I don't know so much stuff right yeah and yeah it feels really I don't know I guess it's just like to me like I guess this is where I have have so much compassion for people in these moments right because it just feels so complex it feels like uh like like the lot I'm gonna the next line that's coming is like you had to kill me but you but it killed you just the same I don't feel like anybody in my family right now is like at peace with what with what is yep and I don't feel like anybody like is like I'm really glad that this is the way things are totally. yeah I feel like it's a, an incredible amount of pain that we're all managing we all manage it in really different ways there's so yeah. much trauma it's there's a legacy it's generational mm-hmm. but yeah it just feels like um there's something in this song that just feels like you're feeling it I'm feeling it we're kind of passing all of this around like amongst ourselves and stuff but like no one's happy like no one likes right. it yeah nobody wanted their family to implode right totally like, nobody wants that hmm yeah well said yeah i love how you're yeah kind of addressing that like maybe this wasn't malicious or enjoyable for anyone but and yeah i don't want to speak to your experience but you know the song or whatever like it got to the point where yeah maybe it wasn't intentional but it was profoundly traumatic and that's why i'm cutting ties and leaving not because i'm trying to be hurtful to you or trying to hurt Mm -hmm. you 
But if that's how it's going to go, because you cannot take accountability or respect my decision, okay, then I guess that's it. You know, go ahead, try to kill me, but you can't. Like, yeah. I will, I will always haunt you because you know that I was just saving myself. I wasn't trying to hurt you. I think what's really tricky, because like, I, there's like all sorts of parts of me right now because once yeah. like it feels super personal if sure. there are definitely been moments where it feels like like intentional or it does feel mm. malicious it feels like if yeah I think there are parts in me that are like it does feel like they would say they could choose something different like yeah. why are they choosing something different yeah um, at the same time, I think because I've had moments, this is, this is really, this one's uncomfortable to admit, <laughs> but maybe like moments where I'm wrestling with what feels like inherited narcissism and mm. like my own really challenging behaviors. Mm. And it's yeah. been like, as like in as I've tried to bring compassion to like why I have those behaviors, why those show up for me, how those show up in my relationships, it's really hard. I, I guess it's just like kind of extended into like I don't love like these behaviors in my family are really, really harmful. They're hurtful, they're challenging. Yep. And like my I think generationally, like my family's been through shit. Mm, right like gotcha. there's, they've been through a lot of and so it's it I feel like at least this is such a tender spot for me for people who totally. are here it's like holding so many layers of like you could be both like furious and compassionate you could be both devastated and understanding you could be both like yeah um you know, like experiencing incredible loss, incredible love. Like it just feels like there's, um, there's so much complexity to it. And, and I think actually for me, one of the hardest things is to maybe name, uh, that my practice is holding space for both my fury and my compassion for my family. Yeah. (laughs) Because like a lot of, a lot of people maybe want to push me in one direction or the other. Like sure. if you're feeling compassionate for them, then why are you angry at them? Like you should just forget yeah. them and like move past it. Or like you should be furious. Why do yeah. you even like give them a, anything? Like they're yeah. terrible. Like da, da, da. And I'm like, where are they? like there's not yeah. a lot of yeah, middle space sometimes where it's just like I feel both. I totally. Feel both. Mm-hmm. Well, that is so powerful. And I just imagine so many people are going to find solace and inspiration and comfort from you sharing this on the podcast. So thank mm-hmm. you for that. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Well, let's finish it up with the last chorus slash verse. Don't know what to call this. Um, but oh, yeah, there's actually like two more little mm-hmm. somethings. So we keep going with I didn't have it in myself to go with grace. And so the battleships will sink beneath the waves. You had to kill me, but it killed you just the same. Cursing my name, wishing I stayed. You turned into your worst fears. So I'll pause there so we can chat on that. And then there's a little bit more. Yeah, I think uh, the battleships like sinking beneath the waves. I don't know. Uh, part of me would say right now like the kind of like ongoing fight of the no contact is kind of like dissipated I'm not really 
in like a full on what feels like a full on war or fight with them right now. Yeah. Um, but as she'll kind of go on, I still would say that like it lingers. Um, yeah. This place of like, you had to kill me, but it's killing you. You're cursing me, but we're, we wish we could figure it out. Um, yeah. Like the family dynamic has turned into the fear that we probably all had, which is like, it's falling apart. Uh, we're at each other's throats. Like yeah. uh, we've lost touch with um, what, you know, like, or maybe our compassion for each other, those kinds of things. Like I would say I'm like 10 years, no contact. And like, wow. it, it's still, I would just say like, it doesn't feel resolved, right? Like it doesn't feel yeah. like I'm, I'm maybe, I'm maybe at peace with my decision to do it, but like, I don't necessarily feel like I'm at peace with it. Right. Like, yeah, it's still very haunting. It's still very challenging. Um, and yeah, like, I think it, it turned, it, it kind of turned into like, I think, the worst fear, which is like, um, we lost touch with each other. Like we yeah. aren't, we aren't kind of what our family narrative was. Like we're super close. We are there for each other all the time. Like that thing kind of fell apart. We became yep. the worst fear of like, we won't be there for each other. Uh, we're not the family that we thought we were. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like, man, Taylor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so hard. real. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I feel like the battleship sinking beneath the waves is, you know, the fight is over because I'm done. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not going to fight for you to understand and try to treat me better. I'm done. I'm not going to give you the opportunity to treat me however you're going to treat me, good or bad. We're over. It's over. I tried enough. Um, and then you turned into your worst fears. To me, I just think about how I feel like there is that kind of narrative of, I mean, I imagine as a parent, one of your worst fears ever would be that your child stopped talking to you, right? And so you turned into your worst fears as kind of saying, ha, like, guess what? Like, you did this. You turned into your worst fears because you couldn't respect me. You couldn't treat me well. You, you had to push me out. And this is what happens. There are consequences to your actions. Mm -hmm. So I, once again, I really feel the anger with this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. And then, yeah, the final... It kind of keeps going so and you're tossing out blame drunk on this pain crossing out the good years and you're cursing my name wishing i stayed look at how my tears ricochet boom <laughs> i feel like she doesn't leave it on like a tidied up note like nope. it feels like it's just like we're all still in this like we're all still feeling the pain we're all still feeling blame um yeah, yeah i think like uh, I the image for like tears ricochet like I guess in my mind is like I see maybe like glass something that allows me to like see them so maybe like a big sheet of glass but like as I'm and like I'm crying but like my tears are like bouncing off of it mm. like it doesn't 
Like there's no impact. Mm, there's wow. no, um, yeah. I've also like looked at that line of like my tears ricochet that like, there was a point like in all of this where like my family's pain felt so big. Like it didn't feel like there was like really any space or room for like how the kind of pain I was in. So it did yeah. again feel like my grief, my loss, my pain was just like bouncing off of like something that just felt like was taking up so much space. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe the way I would end it is like of all the, like where I am maybe today is I still maybe in this last verse is like, I still feel really misunderstood. Like I just, I, it, yeah. whatever the narrative is and I don't really know what it is anymore, but I know when I left, it wasn't a great one about me. Sure. And, and I think like to this day where I kind of land is just feeling that kind of maybe ongoing scapegoated role of like, I just feel like so misunderstood. Mm -hmm. Like the people that were supposed to know me the best, right? Like have so fundamentally misunderstood like what I was doing yeah um that I like that what was meant to be healing was like threatening like it's just like there's so something that's like I yeah. feel so missed I feel so unseen mm -hmm. and I just don't think that that will change right like yeah um there would have to be a tremendous amount of like shift in perspective and awareness and different things for that narrative to to shift yeah. but yeah I think like that's maybe an ongoing grief that I just kind of stay with which is um you know what I live with day to day right now is like I'm the scapegoat in my family I'm completely misunderstood I'm probably villainized um I remember like one person saying to a family member of mine like if you would just go talk to her just go talk to her this is gonna make me cry <laughs> like yeah maybe you would understand right like yeah and I just think there wasn't enough space like for them or maybe I mean it's going to be like there's fear there's trauma there's all this stuff but like I would I I feel like if if, if somebody would have just like slowed down and like sat down and talked to me about what was going on that they probably would have been like fuck like yeah. that's a lot <laughs> right yeah and so yeah to this day it's just like I think what I live with is like I never really felt like I got a chance to be understood in that situation. And I might never get it. Right. And kind of what I think a lot of people live with um, that. Yeah. Like are in positions like this. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Thank you so much once again for your beautiful vulnerability and courage here. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's, yeah. She's ending with that note of unresolution, just like you said mm -hmm. of, this is it. And I've never heard such a great analysis of the tears ricochet because I'm, I'm sort of like, what does that mean? Right? Like, I understand ricochet means bounce back. But yeah, the way you named it of like, it's hitting a wall or a, you know, mirror or something, and it's bouncing back because you won't take any accountability for my pain and like take it in mm -hmm. and even hold space for it at all. It's just, it doesn't matter to you. Um, versus how I was always thinking of it is my tears are not just kind of 
a part of my process, but they're ricocheting onto you and you are being mm-hmm. impacted by it of kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. you, you think I'm dead to you, but then why are you at the wake? Like you're clearly haunted mm-hmm. by me. So I absolutely think it could be both. Um, but yeah, like the tossing out blame, drunk on this pain, crossing out the good years reminds me of how when someone who is inc- like emotionally immature to say the least is unwilling to accept any blame for their actions so you know someone coming at them and saying hey you did this to me you hurt me and i'm done that's got to be one of the most uncomfortable triggering situations Mm -hmm. for someone who is narcissistic or um unable to sit with that and so they can really become incredibly emotionally volatile and go on a rampage drunk on this pain you know just throwing arrows and tossing Mm -hmm. out blame and just cursing your name and like really lashing out and further sealing their own you know the the grave of the for like sealing the casket Mm -hmm. of the relationship of like yep we are done you know and yeah once again i can relate to this just with the relationships where i tried to end it in kind of a you know, polite way, maybe not the most graceful, but Mm -hmm. with some semblance of stability. And it turned into like Mm -hmm. them being incredibly lashing out at me and me being like, okay, I made the right choice. Yeah. Like you just sealed that for me. I'm done. Like, bye. Like, thanks for showing me your true colors. Yeah. Yeah. My heart just goes out to like the, again, I think it's like what I, what it is, is I think like my sense is most people have tried so hard to make these relationships work. They've like invested a lot. They um, have, you know, like probably feel like they've tried everything. Right. And, and maybe what that like landing in the tug of war of like, um, if I keep giving in this way, like I'm losing something very fundamental in myself that I can't really ignore anymore. Yeah. And then just that, the kind of, fallout of a decision like that that like often that road is incredibly lonely and isolating um really misunderstood and um and that like often like the kind of healing image I have for this because it's like again I don't know that there's like a tidy bow or like a platitude that makes it feel better (laughs) but it's like literally just sitting with people um, in their loneliness or like in their mm. isolation or in their misunderstanding. Cause I, again, like I said, I don't know that that's ev- like for, for most, I don't know that that will ever change that they might al- always feel like an outsider in their family. Yeah. They may always feel misunderstood. Um, one of the things that's kind of ironic to me about it is like, it's, it's such an, ex- it's an experience I feel so alone in. And yet like, I don't feel alone because I know there are other people that feel as lonely as I do. And it almost feels like we're all in, like we're in these little caves, but we're like next to each other in our caves or something. I don't know. It's like being both profoundly alone and, and not at the same time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I relate to that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for diving into this episode with me. I think this was one of the most like well fleshed out and especially emotionally raw episodes I've done so far. So I really appreciate you for making that what it was. Um, Do you want to share anything about like any current offerings or anything you're doing that you want to share with folks listening? Yeah. 
So like uh, Emmy said earlier, my account is at breaking down CPTSD. Um, right now, if you're like curious, a lot of what I do, right, what I do is create like survivor centered resources. So like my kind of shtick is like, I like to take what are maybe like maybe comes from like clinical kind of therapeutic books and put that through a survivor lens. Um, so like workbooks are available at my uh, website, uh, www.sarahair.com. And then in this coming year, I'm hoping what I'm really excited for is um, like a somatic self-care video guide. Uh, my like, nice. so my um, like live somatic practices have been really popular. And so I'm hoping nice. to provide something that people could have access to kind of unlimitedly. So watch for that. Sounds that. extremely useful. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. Everyone go check her out. The links will be in the show notes. Thank you so much, Sarah, for being here. I really appreciate your time and willingness to talk about hard stuff. And thank you everyone for listening. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Bye.